Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podsite, everyone. This is Carlo, and uh, today it's just it's just me and Kurt. Hey, Kurt, how you doing? Hey, Carlo. Uh, a funny thing happened earlier. Um, you know, I I often bathe in the river, um, but one mm. day when the heavy rains had fed the dragon tail current, uh, I suddenly felt a sharp bite on my calf. Uh, I figured it was a prawn, um, so I came home, and now I'm recording this podcast. I suspect it's not a big deal. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> well as long as uh you, you don't get a a, a bit of a, a doctor who's trying to milk as much money as he can out of you i think you're good medicare um, for all would have solved this uh this story. <laughs> right right um so so today we're we're gonna take a small detour um and we're going to talk about a short story called The Youngest Doll. Uh, and this was uh, actually written by um, Rosario Ferre, who is a Puerto Rican author and just so happens to have been the uh, the daughter of one of, I think it's the third elected governor, Puerto Rican governor of Puerto Rico. Um and she wrote a, this little story that uh, I think uh, I had I had asked you earlier, Kurt, if you if you'd read like something like uh, uh, the feather pillow, and you were like question mark question mark question mark. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, here here is where I reveal that I I do not understand the words that are coming out of <laughs> yes, your mouth. <laughs> yes, I I don't understand the question. <laughs> Yeah, here's here's where I reveal that like I I really don't um my my literary knowledge is deep in particular areas but shallow uh shallow is a prawn filled stream in in many others. Yes. Well, and 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 one of the things that um because we're 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 referencing the story here, uh, one of the reasons that I was sort of struck by um, specifically that imagery was the fact that I wrote, having never read this prior to like a couple of weeks ago, read this story and I had used more or less the same imagery, but in a less sinister way, <laughs> <laughs> definitely in an uncanny way, but mm -hmm. uh, not quite as sinister here. So, uh, so anyway, uh, this is rather short. Um, it is, uh, a story that was, um, released, I believe in 1976. Um, and, uh, in a collection called see this is where uh, translation is difficult because the the title in spanish is uh, los papeles de pandora which could be interpreted as papeles me could mean just very literally mean papers so the pandora papers 
but also in Spanish, uh, when you are, when you say that someone's, uh, que clase papel, you know, what type of a paper, that's not what they're saying. They're saying what kind of a role, like you're, you're mm. adopting a role. So it's an interesting, um, use of language there. Uh, I, I would say, uh, yeah, very, um, very much like a Wolfian flourish, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a triple, a triple meeting with a little side illusion thrown in for why bonus, not bonus sure. meeting. Um, also, I believe that uh, Ferrer was like an editor for a long time. She initially, um, she initially, when she was younger, as is uh, you know your many people's wants, uh, was very pro independence. You know, very uh, leftist, and as uh, age. As she got older, well, you know, and, and being part of like a ruling family that was very wealthy to begin with, well, guess what? <laughs> she she slowly started to come around on this whole statehood uh, status thing, and but anyway, by the time um, this was published, she had um, she'd already been. Uh, and this is a weird uh, uh, thing. Uh, I think her dad was elected to office like in 1970 um, and not long after her mom dies. Hmm. So then she steps up to assume the role of ah. the first lady, which is a very strange thing. <laughs> you know, if you think of it a certain way and I, I do find that a lot of the, um, there's some like really interesting uh, stuff happening in this story that that seems I don't want to psychologize too much, but it, it does seem to um, be interested in exactly how uh, you know, like women are expected to be objects and mm -hmm. something that performs for others um, for others benefit and not necessarily for their own. Uh Side bit of trivia, a similar thing did happen um, in the U.S. government with, um, uh, I think it was James, yes, uh, James Buchanan, never married. Um, so his niece, uh, Harriet Lane Johnston, um, was essentially acted as the first lady of, of the United States during the Buchanan administration. Oh. Um, sir, um, well, well, we'll wait for the Luis Manuel Miranda musical on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it, I'm, I'm sure it will be scintillating. <laughs> Welcome to the Buchanan administration. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus uh, oh, man. God. Uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's dig in, shall we? Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. so what did you, what did you think of this? Um, so. I really liked it. Um, and I mean, like, like you said, it's short. It's, I don't know, gosh, like, it feels like it must, so. it must be like, I don't know, 1600 words, 1700 words. Probably feels yeah, something like that. Like somewhere in that vicinity. It's, it's, it's short, but it covers a lot of ground. Um, I really liked the style of it. Um, I think, I think that I, I'm still kind of chewing on the plot such as it is. Like, I think, I think it has a very, um, not quite it's halfway between kind of like a fairy tale and like a ballad structure 
Mm-hmm. I, I would say in that it, it, it has a very visible internal logic that makes sense, even if it like even though like I can't quite explain what the logic is, but it felt it felt logical in and mm-hmm. of itself. It feels like like a self-contained logic and world. But what really struck me about it is um, two things. One is the combination of very, very kind of like workaday imagery. Um, just kind of like very conventional imagery of, you know, just kind of people going through little moments in their lives, you know, sitting on the porch, taking callers, uh, you know, a visit from a doctor, getting married. Like there, there's there's no there's no big incidents really in the story mm-hmm. for the most part. It's just kind of like little things that happen. But but each of them was always accompanied by this element of the uncanny. Um, and it was it was inserted into the story basically without comment. Um, so, y- y- you know, a part of the story is um, the aunt who I don't think is ever named, is she? No. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, th- there are really no names in this story. Right, right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's true. Yeah, it's it's all descriptions, like the maiden mm-hmm. aunt, the doctor, the doctor's son. Well, and, and I think the that youngest. That, yeah, and I I, I think that that uh, you know strengthens that fairy tale. Yes, um, exactly. Feeling. Yes, the Miller, the you know the um, the, the, the hunter. Woodsman, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a, that, that um, type of thing. But but what I was gonna say is every moment, almost every set sentence of it is accompanied by some strange element of the uncanny that isn't really ever commented upon. So, for instance, you know, in the first paragraph, uh, the aunt gets bitten by a prawn that then goes to live inside of her of of her calf and stays there, and it grows into this like enormous, you know, swollen um, calf. Which um, there is a there there is a river parasite. I don't know if it would be present in um, in Puerto Rico, but I know that there's a South American river parasite that does cause uh, swelling in the leg. Um, so I did wonder if that was a reference to it. Um, but but no one's like, that's weird. Just like, yeah, you know, you have a prawn living in your leg and that's a normal thing that happens. Um, and so that that was one thing um, that 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 really struck me. The the other is. um there's it, it it feels it feels at once kind of like old and current so mm-hmm. you kind of have you, you kind of have what what i would very broadly call kind of like traditional imagery um in a lot of parts i think it's it's kind of fair to say like references to like you know like an agrarian way of life mm-hmm. um alongside references to kind of like European brands and high society and and people in the aristocracy, so it 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 feels very much kind of like two different things um, coming together. And and for me at least, that was more than enough to make it a very enjoyable and interesting read. Although, like I said at the beginning, like I don't think I could quite explain to you like what what is going on um, <laughs> pre- pre- precisely. I thought it was it, it was very good. And there's a few particular lines that I think really stood out. And honestly, there's a sense of almost almost every paragraph in this story is like its own story almost. Mm-hmm. Like like the you know, it uh, there's there's a sequence where it's like suddenly there are nine daughters um and then suddenly, you know, one of them is getting married and now the story is following the daughter and it's it's just like things just keep happening and happening and happening. So Yeah. Yeah. 
One damn thing after another. Uh, but, There's but yeah, more and like, more stuff happening all the time. <laughs> all the time. Many such cases. Um, but yeah, like, like I, I think that um, one of the things that stood out to me, like I, I upon rereading, um, was like also like the sensuousness uh, mm-hmm. that is then curtailed very early on in the story, right? Because uh, you made mention of the Dragon Tail Current, which I, I sort of love. I don't even know what that is exactly, but. Um, you know, like, like I was trying to figure out like, what would that be like in Spanish that they translated to dragon tail, but it doesn't really matter. It could be just like a, a, a very, mm-hmm. you know, like a rip riptide specifically, uh, that, that would be cur- like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Relevant near an estuary or something. Right. Right. Because- right. Anyway, the 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 line that I was thinking about that jumped out at me was like the as a young woman she often bathed in the river, but one day when the heavy rains had fed the dragon tail current, she had a soft feeling of melting snow in the marrow of her bones. With her ne- head nestled among the black rocks reverberations, she could hear the slamming of salty foam on the beach rolled up with the sound of waves, and she suddenly thought that her hair had poured out into the sea at last. Like, what the fuck? This yeah, yeah, is yeah. The, Like, like <laughs> that's amazing. But it's yeah. also, like, very sensuous, and you're like, hmm, what is happening here? Well, especially the at last, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Be- because it suggests that it's it's expected. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, I certainly wouldn't have expected my hair to go out to sea. <laughs> and it's never returned to or elaborated upon. It's just a really good – it's just a really good – it's it's evocative language. Um, you know, it's, I, I think I think this is an I, – I, I can't speak to the quality of the translation versus, you know, the original. Mm-hmm. Um, but – uh, the language of the translation is is well. She, I, I guess, I guess um, it, it looks she, like she, she also did some of the translation along yeah, with someone she else. She and Diana Vélez uh, um, translated it, but it's lovely. It's you know, it's it's and it is also just it's just weird. And you're like, it just kind of hits you. It's like it's like somebody walking past you in a crowd and just like flicking your ear, and you turn and they're gone. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck was that? <laughs> You'll never know. You'll never know, <laughs> or why it happened. You know, just somebody just decided to do that. But but yeah, like like I feel like that's an interesting. Like it feels like a moment of release. Mm-hmm. Like like it it makes me think of you know like oh finally she let her hair down all the way right. It reached the sea at last. Uh, I mean, it could also just be just sort of like a weird, like she's free at last and then it's immediately interrupted because at that very moment the bite of the prawn uh, happens and mm-hmm. her life is completely changed like it, it's it's almost as if uh before her life has even begun like this fucking disease happens to her and the the prawn like nestles into her calf and like mm-hmm. you said like basically uh her her she she goes to the doctor in town and he's like oh i just put a a, a mustard plast on it a mustard plast on it and it'll drive it out um which we you know we we don't know at that moment uh we 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 trust mm-hmm. that the doctor is giving her good advice but uh it, it just continues to you know like it continues living in there and nothing happens mm-hmm. and like uh it's oh god it's so so weird because she's like clomping around still moving rather mm-hmm. spryly given the fact that her leg is swollen up and everything and like what was it um her her nieces 
who she uh, decides to then dote upon. Um, what was it? Uh, oh, God. She would comb their hair, bathe and feed them. And when she read them <laughs> stories, they would sit around her and furtively lift the starched ruffle of her skirt so as to sniff the aroma of ripe, ripe sweet sop that oozed from her leg when it was at rest. Like, her her leg is slowly rotting or something. Yeah. It's like gross. Ha- have you ever worn a cast for a long time? Um, I have not. Uh, it- if you wear one, this is less true with the the, the more modern casts. But the I uh, I I mega broke my fingers when I was a teenager, and I had to wear uh, a cast for like like a month or two, I think. And it does develop uh, a a nasty, sickly, sweet uh, mm-hmm. smell of like skin and sweat and it's just a very gross um organic Oil and smell. grossness yeah, yeah. yeah but it does kind of also smell like strawberries in a mm. very gross way oh um <laughs> lymphatic filariasis is um hmm. the condition that i was thinking of um and it is caused by nematodes um which get into uh the blood um and cause your your lymphatic system to accumulate fluid in typically one leg so i mm. c- could just be a coincidence but um that 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 did j- jump out at me uh to to your point the doll imagery when it first shows up is kind of is like uh, is also kind of like darkly funny mm-hmm. um there's a particular line where it says um uh, let's see here. The aunt had continued to increase the size of the dolls, that their height and other measurements conformed to those of each of the girls. There were nine of them, and the aunt would make one doll for each per year, so it became necessary to set aside a room for the dolls alone. When the eldest turned 18, there were 126 dolls of all ages in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the the, the image uh, on the on the exactly the next sentence. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Opening, yes. and, opening the door gave the impression of entering a dovecote or the ballroom in the Tsarina's palace or a warehouse in which someone had spread out a row of tobacco leaves to dry. Perfect, perfect example of of kind of like the collision of what feels like, like, you know, different worlds colliding right mm-hmm. where it's like I, I remember reading like the ballroom in the Tsarina's palace and i was like well that's a very like cosmopolitan image that that felt at odds and, and this just could be me you know um i could be wrong about this but it, it felt at odds with what my expectations were for this story um and, and so it's interesting to, to put that you know alongside you know like like a uh, tobacco leaf warehouse, you know? Well, I mean, so, so I think it's interesting because uh, like a dovecote is living, you know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a little place where you keep all your little tame pigeons, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, cooing and, and happy and sort of like all nestled together. The ballerina of Azarina's palace suggests opulence, right. Mm-hmm. But then there's the tobacco and you're like, Oh, this is just like for consumption. <laughs> They're getting ready yeah. for consumption later. Uh, it's such a, it's such like, like you say, it's like, it's really interesting. The contrasts of the different things and the different roles that these different um, sort of descriptors uh, have like uh, within their, their own contexts. Uh, yeah. So, so it sets, it sets up like this idea that, 
like just like the aunt, you know, the the girls are, you know, she, the the aunt is trying her best to sort of nurture them, but mm-hmm. she understands just like she uh, has has happened to her, I should say. Um, you know, they they will probably not have much, you know, much agency in their lives mm-hmm. simply because of the society that she, you know, they all live in. Um, one of the things that that struck me this this reread was how gothic um, the mm. the family house is, um, because they, it's it's brought up a little later that they are actually uh, the family is in ruin, um, like it's an older family who yes. uh, were sugarcane aristocracy who basically made their made their money uh, with sugar, and um, like the you know what is it. When the eldest girl turns ten, the aunt sits down in a rocking chair and, and never gets up again. You know, mm-hmm. very very fairy tale like. But looking out towards the the cane, like where the cane fields uh, would be. Oh, uh, and there's a wonderful sentence there. It says she would rock away entire days on the porch, watching the patterns of rain shift in the cane fields coming out of her stupor only when the doctor would pay a visit or whenever she would awaken with the desire to make a doll. Man, you put a sentence or reference to rain falling on or moving things. That's 100% my shit. So like I, I that that was one of the sentences that I was like, ooh, I want to mention this. I, I just love I'd love that the patterns of rain shift in the cane fields. It's just like one of those, like, uh, it's, it's one of those like cellar door type, uh, mm-hmm. phrases for me. You know? <laughs> I, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I, I, uh, what is it? There's a, let me see here. Like basically she's making these dolls and they're like very expensive. Like they're, they're objects of art. Right. Uh, and there's a mention here and I'm trying to find it here. Um, that, that instead of like selling the dolls, uh, you know, like for, for money, she basically stores them because they, they have become sort of like, you know, sort of like these representations of her nieces, you know? And, uh, I, I, I also love the, the thing that she would walk into the, the room that we just (laughs) described. Right. And then she would unlatch the door and gently pick up each doll murmuring a lullaby as she rocked it. Mm -hmm. This is how you were when you were a year old. This is you at two. And like this at three, measuring out each year of their lives against the hollow they left in her arms. Mm-hmm. Like, man, what what is going on in that sentence? But it's also it's yeah, and it's it's funny because, and uh, it, you know, doll like dolls that might be alive, very common creepy you know imagery. Um, and I would assume that you know in the what did you say? Mid seventies, I think. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I I think people people were up on dolls are a little bit creepy uh, well, I, in the mid seventies. But I, but I would, I mean, uh, granted, uh, yeah. When when this came out, I, I was going to point out that this definitely feels like closer to like when she when Rosario yes. was born, like turn turn of the century type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when you know lifelike looking dolls were perhaps not. You know the stuff of horror movies, which didn't exist at the turn of the century yet. Um, but but it, it is it, it's it's also very tender, it, you mm-hmm. know. And and it, it's uh, the section that that you are um, that you, you are referencing to was um, 
and this is another thing that I, I loved is is uh, as time passed though she be, uh, so at, at first they were just plain dolls with cotton stuffing from the gourd tree and stray buttons sewn on for eyes. As time passed though she began to refine her craft, gaining the respect and admiration of the whole family. The birth of a doll was always a cause for ritual celebration, which explains why it never occurred to the aunts to sell them for profit, even when the girls had grown up and the family was beginning to fall into need. Um, so there is there's a sense of like real care and you get the sense but, but, but like it's it's not explicitly one of loss like mm-hmm. like you do understand that there is a connection between the dolls and the nieces but it isn't it's never really foregrounded and I, I think again coming back to the fact that like everything is just taken as it is and the story keeps moving like n- nobody's ever like what's up with these weird dolls you know so <laughs> so a- as a result of that it doesn't become a story about weird dolls it remains a story about a woman and her nieces yeah well and it also lets you like this is one of the things that that i really enjoyed about this because and a prawn for yeah well <laughs> and a prawn uh <laughs> who doesn't pay any fucking rent uh but but what i was going to say is that uh, i think it's one of these things that is uh, that would probably drive a a more <laughs> modern reader absolutely up the wall. I kind of uh, want to look up the Goodreads for this one. Oh if my goodness, there are any? Uh, there there were some, but I think uh, most of them were 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 for the the, the entire collection. Oh, okay. Um, in any case, uh, I I do think that uh, to to its strength, she her moving on like letting the dolls be dolls and letting you as a reader sort of make the connection because for me it it does i mean i don't think like like you're saying it's not it's not necessarily a sad thing that like the the aunt doesn't feel sad about the dolls we feel a little sad in part because like well you know her entire life is making these dolls but it also like for me at least like one of the interpretations is well so this is like a surrogate for you know having children she creates dolls uh it, it is interesting uh the the part that you mentioned that sh- the birth of a doll is an interesting choice of words wouldn't you say oh yes yes uh i would say a telling choice of words and there's some other there there's some some other um I guess you could call it tactical elision towards the end of the story where the simple phrase, the youngest is used and it Mm -hmm. is used suddenly uh, ambiguously to refer to what seems to be either the niece or the doll that accompanied her. And it's, it's just the youngest until the end. Um, So yes, there's, there's lots of uh, conflation Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Be- between like, you know, the, the caring for the dolls, the raising of the dolls. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I also love that um, the the one thing that she would not make herself was the uh, the eyes. Mm-hmm. She would ask, she would order these glass eyeballs and they were mail- mailed to her from Europe. But not only would she use the glass eyeballs, she had a specific process for them. And she would leave them submerged at the bottom of the stream for a few days so that they could learn to recognize the slightest stirring of the prawn's antennae. 
Only then would she carefully rinse them in ammonia water and place them, glossy as gems and nestled in a bed of cotton, at the bottom of one of her Dutch uh, cookie tins. The dolls were always dressed in the same way, even though the girls were growing up. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I just find it interesting that the, uh, the, the eyes have like this weird, like it's a, it's almost like a ritual that she's like, it's not quite magic, but it's m- sort of magical thinking mm-hmm. where she's dousing them in the same river water where she herself got bitten by the prawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a weird detail. Not that's it. That's all she well, comments on. <laughs> it's 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 also it's also evocative of a of a baptism. Mm, true, true. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and I, hadn't thought of it. I think I think the fact that she won't she won't make the eyes herself um, is I think evokes a very there's a really common structure in stories of creation or construction of, of people and people like things where uh, everything is usual except for one thing that is strange that is put in. And you find this in everything from the old Testament in which, you know, Adam and Eve are created from dust, but then there's a little special something, you know, there's a little special something put in, you know, Eve Eve gets, you know, part of one of Adam's ribs, I believe. It, it typically goes from the Old Testament to the Powerpuff Girls, where, you know, mm. he he makes them out of sugar and sugar, spice, and, spice everything and, nice, and everything nice. And then and Chemical X. Chemical X. <laughs> yeah. And and there's it's it's a very common thing of of like everything is usual in the construction, but there's one thing, one wild card or unusual element that that takes that takes the act of creation and moves it into like a quasi mystical level or it, well, it, you know. it, it creates, it, it, it changes from creating something that is known to creating something that is a little bit unpredictable and a little bit different and a, and a, a little bit beyond just the intent of the creator. It, it gives it, it gives it a strangeness and an agency that I, I think evokes um, that, that evokes, you know, having children where, yep. you know, you know, a baby is is a fairly known quantity, and then as they grow, you go, oh, there's there's bits of what I intended here, but there's also things that I didn't expect or or intend, and and it it gives them a quality of unpredictability and and life. You're 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 reminding me of the uh, of Ghost in the Shell, man. Yeah, <laughs> over over specialization breeds death, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that that's sort of like what we're talking about here. Uh, the the idea that you know, even even at an organizational level, you need to have a, a little bit of a chaos factor, you know, mm-hmm. just to to make things robust and living. Uh, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of it in that way, and and I think you're right. Yeah, like it's it's an interesting um, deviation from everything else she makes her like with her own hands, mm-hmm. uh, uh, including like the weird. Um, the 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 porcelain faces and stuff like that where she uses like a weird uh wax mm-hmm. uh f- mask over the the niece's faces and god could you imagine being one of her nieces and having to stay <laughs> <sit> still for <laughs> well, <laughs> for hours the 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 other thing that i was thinking about the eyes is that it evokes uh it evokes a quality of of class and 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 wealth but but only only a partial 
uh, an echo of class and wealth because I believe mm-hmm. it says that that she she gets them from Europe, mm-hmm. um, and and so these you know the dolls are basically handicrafts uh, that are handmade, but then they have just a touch, um, a glimmer of wealth and and class, which ultimately is also what the son of the doctor sees in um in the youngest, the youngest yeah. where it's like oh well here's this girl but by marrying her i get i get just a little bit of shine off of the legacy of of their family well yeah like like the doctor the the older doctor and the son who is also a doctor are very much like that you know, sort of like the nouveau riche. The climbers, right? yeah, the climbers, yeah. Strivers, yep. yep. Strivers, yes. Um and uh and and like uh, you know by the end it's it's sad because like the 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 youngest ends up basically mirroring her aunt, right? He, mm-hmm. She's just sort of like I, I well, let me let me see if I can find it here. Um um the young doctor took her off to live in town in a square house that made one think of a cement block. Mm-hmm. Each day he made her sit out on the balcony so that passersby would be sure to see that he had married into high society. Motionless inside her cubicle of heat, the youngest began to suspect it wasn't only her husband's silhouette that was made of paper, but his soul as well. I mean, he's just putting her out on display like like he – like he he made her his shingle basically mm-hmm. and uh there's a parallel between her you know having to live in a concrete box and the way that the aunt stores the dolls um uh or is it the dolls or is it yes yes the dolls um no no i guess i guess it's the eyes nestled in mm-hmm. a bed of cotton at the bottom of one of her dutch cookie tins mm-hmm, um right. so so again there's this sense of you know captivity and being kept as an object mm-hmm. and yeah, a prawn and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> the by, by the way the imagery of the the prawns wiggling antennae um, is is great because um, w- w- so so there's only like two or three things that really bother me on 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 an aesthetic gross out level. One of them is rotten strawberries, which um, I mentioned earlier. The smell of rotten strawberries, but when I was a child, I saw uh, a rotten strawberry that had been packed into my lunch by mistake, and it and I almost threw up at the sight of the moldy <laughs> strawberry. So moldy strawberries still bother me a little bit. The other thing is the moving uh, legs um, and uh, antennae of certain um, insects, in particular tick legs, uh, mm. really bother me, and that kind of segmented antennae. Um, so the mention of the prawn antennae moving around, um, this might just be a me thing, but it's, it's got a grossness to it. Like, like a parasitoid, mm-hmm. uh, sense, sense to it. Yeah. Like I, I, I totally get that. I, I, I'm not, uh, like, like I don't have that level of repulsion, but it is gross. Like it, it, it what it makes me think of is, um, if you've ever seen like a roach stop and like, take stock of a of a room and it just sort of moves those long antennae indeed around. indeed it's just like 
uh, yeah, because it, it is it is one of these things where you start thinking, well, what would that feel rubbing up, up against my skin? Now, that is not a thought I have had, but now that I have had it, I don't like it. <laughs> you, you, no, sir, you don't like it. <laughs> no, sir, I don't like it. No. <laughs> That's Mr. Horse. <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I also like that um, – that that like like you said like the 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 last doll the one that she made for the youngest girl that goes with the young doctor who who I, actually let me let me go back and let's back up a second because when the young doctor inspects <laughs> the the aunt's leg uh he's like but dad you could have cured this you know he's like well son who think uh, who you know, whose money do you think you know uh, brought you up and put you through college and doctors you know like medical school <laughs> and he, yeah he doesn't say it outright and but but like they're both inspecting the aunt and she's like listening to them <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not like it's not like they're they're being like too subtle or anything like that um, yeah it, it, what is it uh, that's true that his father answered but I just wanted you to come and see the prawn that has been paying for your education these 20 years so I mean <laughs> uh, like what the fuck <laughs> what the cl- fuck kind of cold ass shit is that clever turn of phrase too because you could read it both as see the prawn literally of you know the mm-hmm. prawn that's in her leg but he could also be referring to her as a prawn mm, you know true. as like come and see the shrimp that has been paying for your education that being her and her family you know yeah that's true that's true. in a literal sense um but yeah yeah that was that was great um certainly cast the uh the the mustard um comp compress or whatever it was in in a different light uh- <laughs> yeah like just get out of get out of here yeah dames who needs them uh <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, the the doctor and his son are just awful. Um, and uh, like after um, the youngest has been married, you know, like he no- she notices that uh, actually uh, part of the part of the reason that we have that striking image of the prawn antennae is because the 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 younger doctor um, decides that he's going to. Uh, the 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 last doll given to the youngest the aunt had had put like these diamond earrings into her eyes yes uh and the doctor pries them out and sells them for a, a nice little pocket watch chain oh 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 there's another really <laughs> there's another really weird thing right before then um this was perhaps the strangest interjection uh, or the 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 strangeness end of a sentence turn, um, and I'm curious what you thought about this one. So so um, when it's talking about the the youngest and like being visited by the young doctor, and, and there's some great imagery making fun of him, where it says he would always show up wearing a pair of brightly polished shoes, a starched collar, and an ostentatious tie <laughs> pin of extravagant poor taste. <laughs> I'm basically imagining him wearing wearing like a zoot suit, which which I'm sure is not not quite correct, but it's it's funny to him to, for me to imagine him dressed like uh, the he, mask from, from- the <laughs> <laughs> or he showed up he showed up like uh, Joe Pesci and my cousin Vinny. Oh with, like, God! The, oh the organ yes. Grinder. yes. <laughs> um, but. But then it says she made up her mind to marry him because she was intrigued by his sleepy profile. By the way, also described as having a paper silhouette um, <laughs> uh, in, in reference to his paper soul later. A, by intrigued by his sleepy profile and also because she was deathly curious to see what dolphin <laughs> flesh was like. 
<laughs> I, God damn. <laughs> what is uh, is that just like a devastating burn on him? Like, or or I, is it? <laughs> I I am not sure, but like, it, it it what it mean what 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 is coming to my mind is uh you know how how dolphins look all shiny, mm-hmm. like I'm wondering if he if he's just like just completely sweaty. <laughs> Just like always, it's gl- always oiled wet. up. Yeah, sliding, like always wet, sliding out of their room on a snail trail. <laughs> God, maybe he should have married the prawn. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, I, I had forgotten about that one. Uh, God, that is so good. <laughs> and <laughs> like again, such, again, it such, never comes back to it. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I mean, I think, honestly, I think, like, with the uh, ostentatious typing of extravagant (laughs) poor taste and the dolphin flesh, like, uh, man, they are burning this motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he gets the last laugh for a while. uh, For a little bit, for a little bit. (laughs) Oh, man, that is is a good one, though. But, I mean, it it does feel like the the type of, like, very catty... uh, thing that you'd say when you are actually part of an uh, an old money family who no longer mm-hmm. has that much money but but you still you can still recognize someone who's fronting someone who mm-hmm. is who is yeah, striving yeah, exactly nothing there is there is no greater distaste than that of the fallen rich towards the nouveau riche yeah like this <laughs> this is like this household feels very sort of like Gray Gardens, but in the tropics, you know? I called the Sisterhood of Pious Ladies, and they hadn't heard of you. <laughs> I, I do love that the, the, the doctor's like, yeah, we could have sold the porcelain hands and face of the doll yes. to some pious ladies. And you're like, well, and they're they're gonna supposedly they were gonna use the uh, the face and the hands for like some sort of um, religious processions. So yes. they're probably gonna uh, like there is a phrase in Spanish um, that translates roughly to robbing Peter to pay Paul, mm-hmm. uh, but it's literally uh, undressing one saint to dress another. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so you know, like when when you're sort of like. Yeah, you, you only got so much, so you you take the little the little dress that the the one saint has, and you put it on another one for the next procession. It made me think of that. So mm-hmm. so anyway, that's great. Uh, yeah, I I I love that one honestly. Um, but yeah, like uh, so so do we want to get to the uh, to the to the last <laughs> I love, image? I love the last the, the the last bit. Like that that next paragraph is great. Her explanation. Um. Because uh, basically, um, so the doctor, after a few months, uh, notices that the doll isn't on the piano. And she says, and he goes, where's the doll? Um, And the youngest answered that the ants had at last discovered the doll was filled with honey and streaming over the piano had devoured it in a single night. 
Uh, since its hands and face were of Mikado porcelain, she said, they must have thought they were made of sugar. Hmm, sugar again. And mm-hmm. at this very moment, sugar, man. Um, and at this very moment, <laughs> they are most likely wearing down their teeth, gnawing furiously at its fingers and eyelids in some underground burrow. What perhaps could the <laughs> ants represent here? Uh, that night, the doctor dug up all the ground around the house to no avail. That's That, that to me is fucking classic. That's like... That's like uh, you you referenced uh, Joe Pesci earlier. All I can think of <laughs> is the wet bandits from Home Alone, frantically <laughs> digging, you know, digging around looking for treasure. I, you know, now now I'm thinking about uh, was it? Did you ever see Shallow Grave? Mm, I don't think so. Chris Eccleston and uh, I think it's like uh, uh, what's his what's his name? Uh, fuck, Obi Wan. What's his fucking name? God damn it, <laughs> Sir Alec uh, Guinness. No, no, no. The 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 younger. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, uh, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. There we go. Jesus Christ. Uh, and and a couple of other uh, very very stalwart uh, actors back when they were very young. Anyway, yeah. There, there's. Uh, you're also forgetting uh, Goodfellas, where they go to have to dig yes. up. The- <laughs> and, and they're and they're and they're I'm hazing. imagining Joe Pesci. Having like a porcelain doll locked in the trunk of his car, <laughs> stabbing and, 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 it several anyway. times. Um, uh, yeah, but that it's 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 great, and from there it gets uh, it gets weirder and weirder. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like so so. Th- this is where that. Oh, did I unplug my headphones? I think I did. Yes, Uh-oh. I did. Sorry, I was probably talking over to you. Uh, I, I I have to do this sorcery with my headphones to get the to get the sound in both channels where they are they are almost but not quite unplugged, and mm. so sometimes they sometimes they disconnect and I and I'm like, huh, Carlo and Chris aren't talking anymore. I guess I'll just keep talking, and then I'm like, <laughs> oh, uh, I'm actually just talking over them, and I so can't just- hear them anymore. It's just Kurt unplugged. Yeah, Kurt unplugged. Yeah, literally unplugged. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, th- this is where the ambiguity of the youngest starts, where it stops saying the youngest. It just says the youngest instead of the youngest d- daughter. Uh, and it mentions she went on sitting in her rocking chair on the balcony, motionless in her muslin and lace, and always with lowered eyelids, which it mentions earlier that after the doll's eyes were taken, she sits on the grand piano with her mm-hmm. gaze modestly lowered. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's 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 fucking fantastic. It's really like that that little those last couple of paragraphs really sort of like turn and like like you say it the 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 word choice there is very interesting uh because yeah like like at that point um we're supposed to like have like this weird frisson that the doctor i would imagine would have um wondering well hold on who's the doll and who's the real you know the real youngest daughter and (laughs) surprise motherfucker it's (laughs) Perhaps both at once. Who knows? I'm not entirely sure myself, and I don't yep. care. Like it's it's great. Yeah i I did earlier look up the description on Goodreads, and I kind of wish that I hadn't because I feel like the Goodreads description is gives it like a very pat and straightforward, like purely sim, uh, purely um, uh. literal yeah yeah like literal one-to-one where it's like well this means this and this means this and it's about this and and i think my my read is is it's a bit more ambiguous than Mm -hmm. than that like 
so, so like the description that's on Goodreads is basically like this is a revenge plan by the mm. aunt for being victimized. And I yeah. like I think that's certainly one interpretation that it lends itself to, but I think that an aspect of that this kind of that kind of fairy tale logic is is that the revenge need not come from a person. The revenge comes from the structure of the story and from fate. It mm-hmm. is it is poetic justice. Um, and so it doesn't need to be a revenge plot. It is just, you know. Well, it's, yeah, like it's just, like you did bad shit. And now bad shit happens to you, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that it's one of these things where um, one of the one of the, the things that, you know, sort of dawned on me was. Well, okay, so she finally made like she mm-hmm. she actually made that final transformation. Like she'd been objectified for so long that she finally became a doll. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the only thing that was animating her was like mm-hmm. a bunch of prawns. Or or she pieced out and left the doll that, there. You know, yeah, that's that, another that way too. of looking at it. Or or, you know, or they were always one in the same or something, mm-hmm. you know, like it, there's there's a lot of different ways to engage with it. And I think that uh, th- this is an example. I, I think we're trying to arrive at an answer uh, c- kind of diminishes the story a bit because mm-hmm. part of what works about it is that is that sense of like, well, what the fuck was that? And not knowing doesn't make the ending work any any less well, which is which which is basically, you know, he creeps into the bedroom to watch her as she slept. He noticed that her chest wasn't moving. He gently placed his stethoscope over her heart and heard a distant swish of water. Then the doll lifted her eyelids. I, I love that. Then the doll lifted her classic, classic mm-hmm. horror. That's mm-hmm. straight up like the final sentence of an HP Lovecraft story. Yep. Lifted yep. her eyelids and out of the empty sockets of her eyes came the frenzied antennae of all those prawns. That's such a fucking good it's last such a sentence. great line. Prawns, I mean, last word. Prawns. I mean, for it to be for it to be properly uh, Lovecraftian, however, it would have been that she she reveals that she's Italian. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, the the other thing that that it it would need to do would be like then the doll lifted her eyelids and the doctor saw not the eyes of the beautiful woman he had married, but the frenzied antennae of prawns! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! <laughs> Yeah, cooked I mean, in an uh, Italian style. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a cacciatore. Oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I mean, like, like this. I, I think that one of the thing, one of the things that works about that ending is, and the ambiguity of it, is the fact that, like, throughout the story, there's like. Like we've been talking about, right? It's these dolls that are lifelike enough to, you know, sort of look like mm-hmm. the 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 nieces and whatnot. But but like dolls are creepy because they're there's like especially if they look like you, they're mm-hmm. creepy because they're doppelgangers. Like they they look like they they have uncanniness about them because they already look mm-hmm. human like. Uh, that that a doll looks like you is very very like I would be very put off like I would put a doll that looks like myself in a closet <laughs> in the attic far the fuck away from where I sleep I don't know dude what when, when I okay okay here's a great story um when we bought this house 
uh, in the basement where I am now sitting recording, uh, there is a. I'm already not liking this there, story. There Kurt. is in the back of the basement a built-in old cupboard. So this 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 house is in what was an old Italian neighborhood. Um, the the house is from like the 1900s, and um, it was very common in Italian households in this area anyway. Um, to have uh, what was often called like a summer kitchen in the basement um, mm. where like the upstairs kitchen wasn't really used. It was the upstairs kitchen was like was like a presentation space. Like you didn't actually cook usually in the upstairs kitchen. You did the cooking <laughs> in the downstairs kitchen. Um, and so there was actually like a gigantic old fuck off stove here that was really hard to get removed um, because it was, you know, it was like a 70 year old stove. And I was and there were, and I remember the realtor being like, hey, you could uh, we had this really uh, oozy, lugubrious realtor who I intensely disliked. Um, and he was like, hey, you could you could hook this back up to the gas. I'm like, I am not hooking a 70 year old stove. <laughs> <laughs> Back up to the gas, my friend. This is not this is not something that will happen. But also down there in the cabinet, in the glass doors of the cabinet, there were old dolls of the kind of like Scarlet O'Hara doll, like with the porcelain face variety. Um, and I remember nope. when we closed on the house, we did the final walkthrough and the realtor was with us and we were complaining about the dolls, which had been left there by the previous owner. And we were like, we don't want these dolls. And the realtor perks up and goes, can I have them? They might, they might be worth money. And we said, yes, please take them away. So he took the dolls and I never heard from the realtor again, which is what I wanted. And bum, uh, bum, bum. but, but uh, I, I am glad that those dolls are not fucking over there right right now. I, I tell you what. <laughs> Um, but but I would not betray the doll, right? I would not just lock it in the closet because a doll unwatched, you never know what it's getting up to. Mm, and okay, now it's somebody fair. else's problem, that guy's problem. Hmm. He's the one with the demon dolls, with the prawns okay. in their eyes. Well, you know, you, 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 you pose an interesting uh, theory here, Kurt. So maybe <laughs> maybe I'll consider that. <laughs> if, if ever uh, I am afflicted by dolls. Um <laughs> <laughs> bitten bitten by a doll and you become a wear doll. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the but yeah, but anyway, back to the story. The ambig yeah, the ambiguity of, of the ending, the uncanniness of the doll, I, I think lends a it it calls attention to the uncanniness of the life of of the daughter. When, mm-hmm. And and not it's it's not just saying it's it's not it, it never really observes that she is being treated like an object. Instead, it 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 makes that connection by implication, but then also gives the object an agency that she never had. Mm-hmm. Exactly uh, of of well, now you get your fucking come up and stewed, um, or hey, he gets all these free prawns. Hey, <laughs> I was hungry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like, like, uh, hey, free prawns. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think that there, there's a like, like you said, I think it's also um, to to its credit, the story just simply keeps adding odd little bits mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and pieces, and you know, eventually you have a pile of them, and when you get to the end, you're like, what the fuck am I reading? What what happened? Why? <laughs> right. And and I, you know, I wish more people really and like maybe maybe I'm I'm 
giving too much credit to the Goodreads crowd or something like that. But I, I wish I would see more people gush about stories that just leave you going like, what the fuck did I just read? Yeah. Well, well yeah. And, and what's nice about a story of this length and of this format is so, so like one of the things that I love, I've come to love actually is that those first five or six pages of a novel where you don't know what's going on and you don't mm-hmm. know the rules yet and you're interested and you're like, this story could be anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And you often form ideas that, that turn out to be wrong. Oh, oh my gosh. I, uh, I read, um, the Neil Stevenson um, Baroque cycle, which takes place during like the the Enlightenment, and I didn't realize that it was historical fiction. I thought that it was like alternate history fiction, imagining if all of these famous people of, of, of like you know historical scientific figures, what if they had all been hanging out together, not realizing that they actually did all hang out together. So I so like I read fully half that book thinking it was like 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 alt history. <laughs> <laughs> but this but I love great, that because this is a great steampunk novel. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it kind of still is anyway. Although they're not my favorite. But but regardless, it it, it captures that quality of of not quite having your feet under you, but having to keep going. And it and, and it feels propulsive, but it, you you don't know yet what you're being propelled towards in mm-hmm. a way that. In a novel, you lose after a certain point. Well, yeah, because unless the, it's a Gene Wolfe novel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I think to your point, it's it. The the further you go in, the the more, um, the not the more, the less uh, it can branch off into weird, exactly, uh, uh, potential, uh, you know, potential uh, deviations and whatnot. And so it starts coalescing. And sometimes you do like, sometimes it's fine. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's better than fine. It's, it, you know, you could actually like that. Oh, they, they surprised you and it went in a direction you didn't expect. It's still sort of coalesced, but at least it's in a direction you didn't necessarily expect or didn't think about. But oftentimes it's, it's like, okay, well, okay. So, so it's this type of story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And- yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's two types of understanding of fiction. One is letting a butterfly land on your hand and looking at it and turning it this way and that, and then letting it fly away again. And one is, is using analysis to try to hammer it down you know onto a piece of wood so that it can be perfect and immobile and you're like now i have captured the story i understand it and it can't get away from me again <laughs> i have ethered the story and now it's pinned on a board exactly. i framed it on the wall exactly yes yeah and and i i hate that because i don't think that understanding should be the death of interpretation i think it should just be the beginning of another interpretation mm-hmm. and so i love that that this story kind of kind of eludes concrete analysis like like really go go read the goodreads description and it really genuinely feels like it is describing a different story (laughs) it It is so confident and it's in like all these like specifics and i mean it it could be right but yeah one of the things that um i was reading some other uh some other analysis about the 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 name of the collection and uh one of the things that uh was interesting to me about that that person's interpretation was that um it was called you know the the pandora you know the 
the Pandora Papers or whatever you want to call it, or the roles of Pandora, if you wish. But but Pandora is an interesting choice because Pandora lives basically as a woman who essentially lives in a world without hope. Mm. And uh, like like when you read the story, you realize, oh yeah, like this is like sort of a, a bad time, but you're having such a good time reading it that you sort of miss it until the last few pages, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh yeah, that's not a good time at all, is it? <laughs> well, that's another fairy tale thing too. Is like some truth, some truth or understanding needs to be revealed, some inversion, some upset needs to happen. And and it doesn't. One of the wonderful things of uh, about that kind of story is that it doesn't it doesn't need to feel logical. It doesn't need to be built up to. It can simply be flipping the table in the middle of the story and say, you, you know, like like uh, when um, uh, we even talked about the woodsman earlier. You know, when the woodsman shows up and suddenly just fucking chops the wolf up and you know out out pops you know Granny. Uh, in in some versions of the story, anyway, you know, it's it's it, it it can turn on a dime like that, and as long as it feels justified, it, it, you know, in the in like a poetic sense, it doesn't need to be built built up to right right mm-hmm. like like we don't need to worry about like you know did she plan this you know what was we we don't we don't need the the woodsman fucking origin story exactly exactly it it, it just shows up or or you know like. At the end of, of of like a weird murder ballad, when all you know, all, all of a sudden the you know the the bone of the murdered person who was thrown into the river suddenly turns into a fish that goes up and like bites somebody's face off or something. You know, it's like, well, why did that happen? I don't know. It just fucking had to. <laughs> it's a fucking story. Go yeah. with it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 I really um, like. I was really struck by this story and just how sort of like sort of masterful uh, it, it was. And I'm, I'm actually sort of mad at myself that I hadn't really read um, anything that was you know written by someone from where I'm from. Hmm. Like maybe not anything, but like this is probably one. Of, like Rosario Ferrer is probably one of the most um sort of award winning on the island authors mm. there are and granted that might be part of her pri- you know as as a result of her privilege and whatnot but at the same time like this story goes it does it does and it's good and it's short and it gets it, it's it sticks every part of the routine you know it it's it does some flips it does some turns it lands on the mat capably and does its little mm-hmm. bow and and gets out of there you know it's not uh it doesn't it doesn't belabor anything. Everything is exactly as long as it needs to be often dispensed within one sentence. You know, it's just, it's, it's just a very quick condensed, uh, dense story. It kind of reminds me in, in a way of, you know, in, in that respect, anyway, of something like uh fragments of a hologram rose where it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just packed with so much stuff and it's all, it, it's all, uh, you know, clanging together, which, which r- reminds me again, by the way, the description of the clientele, of the rich doctor um, <laughs> uh, draped with necklaces and feathers and carrying elaborate canes, shaking their self-satisfied rolls of flesh with a jingling of coins. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I also love that the, the smell of uh, sweet sauce sweet uh, comes yes. up again right there. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. 
uh, I'll go ahead and, and, and probably include this in the show notes, but, uh, but yeah, like read this story. It's, it's really good. It's short. And as Kurt has ably mentioned, it just, it just dispenses with a lot of, it covers a lot of territory in a short amount of time. So it's a ripper mate. (laughs) There you go. All right. Uh, Kurt, thanks for uh, joining me on this one. And um, yeah. And uh, yeah, everyone out there, go read the story and uh, come back and tell us all about it. (laughs) And we'll catch you next time here on Podside.